fucking skits, mate. What's up, cunt? What's doing? Welcome to fucking skits and gigs, KG's podcast. I'm your fucking host, Cage, and today we are joined by a guest, my boy Jack Rock. What's doing, homie? How's it going, peeps? Now, Jack, we are not doing this um, face to face, of course, COVID, so we're doing it remotely. Jack is at home using his laptop. Yes, unfortunately. But and we plan to have him on properly soon. So in the new year, in the new year, now maybe before the new year, depends. If when things the, go to plan, yes, depends when the setup is set up. Well, probably New Year though, by the time it's all set up and done and yeah. stuff. So, anything in mind you want to talk about? Um, not particularly, but I've just seen on Instagram that it's sixteen days till Mike Tyson fights again. Ooh, yes, yes. You think he's gonna you win? You think he's gonna win? Ooh, yes, of course. Yeah, he has to. Eat it. He's a fucking beast. But uh, he's another... the guy who's fighting. I don't really know the guy who's fighting. Roy Jones, is the pound for pound best fighter in the world. Literally, like in the in the stats, that's what he is. Pound for pound, he's the best fighter. He's yeah, the best boxer. Yeah, literally. Has he? He's been beaten though. Has he? He has like beaten. Yeah. Who's, who's he been beaten by? I am um, 100% certain, I would say. Okay, fair enough. It's a bit it's a bit much of an ask to know that much, but... um. Yeah. What do you call it? Um, And you think Tyson's going to take him? Uh, obviously, man. Like, I mean, there was an interview that Ariel Harwani done between the two of them, and he goes, Mike, what's your game plan? And he goes, I'm just, I'm just going to go out there and destroy my opponent. I'm just going to maul him. I'm going out there to destroy. And Roy's right on his face is just like, he just looks fucking petrified. <laughs> like, who the fuck would not be scared for a life getting in a ring like Tyson? Yeah, true. Like, he he has, like, one of the hardest punches ever. Like, like no one. Yeah, he's known for having, like, the hardest punch in boxing. Like, one of them anyway. Did you see his last punch with Joe Rogan? No. But sure, he has it was only podcast, isn't he? That's actually good. Stuff. I've watched some. I've watched, uh, I think Steve-O was on. Oh, the one with Eminem I watched. Yeah, I watched Steve-O and Eminem. Because, like, you can't not. Come on. He had that uh, gangster guy, Michael Francis, as well. Who? Michael Francis. Oh, okay. He's a fucking gangster. Well, he used to be a gangster. And he ran his scheme, gas scheme, and became a billionaire. He's basically the most successful guy. He became a billionaire. Yeah. Horse man. racing, did you say? Say again? Did you say how did he get his billions? Horse racing. It, no, uh, gas. Oh, gas. It was a petrol scam. So every cent on the dollar, his like his crew was taking a shit ton of money away from that. Yeah. And it was every like gas station in the states. Every gas crazy. station. Yeah. Fuck. That is a you should watch it. He has thing on YouTube. God damn. It's really good. Okay, I'll check it out. So, I have something. Okay. Yeah. So, I just finished a book yesterday that I've been reading okay. for the past two weeks. And the name of said book, you'll probably hear this on the podcast again because I'm so infatuated, intrigued about it, okay? <coughs> so, the book... <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> After watching, uh, I watched the Social Dilemma. Okay, have you seen it? 
It's that new documentary, new Netflix. Yes. Well, it's not. It's relatively new. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't about, about social media. Okay, check it out. It's scary. Okay. So there's a guy on it, and his name is Jaron Lanier, and he wrote a book. And the book's name was Ten Reasons to Delete Your Social Media Account." So I bought the book, and that's the book I finished yesterday. And well, the book basically just goes through ten reasons why you should delete your social media. So I have. Some stuff pulled up on the phone here, and I have my Kindle beside me because I highlighted some stuff that he says in it. Okay. Okay, so here's the first thing, okay, that struck me, obviously, because I highlighted it, okay? So he says, what might once have been called advertising must now be understood as continuous behavior modification on a titanic scale. So he uses... um. He uses an abbreviation for the continuous behavior modification, and he calls it Bummer. So Bummer is behavior, uh, like universal modification, fucking um, titty. I don't know. I, I can't remember what the <laughs> fucking thing it was, okay? But it, he just says Bummer, and I remember reading Bummer like a million times in the book. <laughs> so Bummer accounts are like Facebook, Google, WhatsApp, and Instagram. Sure. Because they all have continuous behavior modification in the algorithms, okay? So it's not the people, it's the actual algorithms that manipulate you, okay? So <clears throat> so, um, says, oh, so here's the second thing I've highlighted. The core process that allows social media to make money and that also does the damage to society is behavior modification. Behavior modification entails methodical techniques that change behavioral patterns in animals and people. It can be used to treat addictions, but it can also be used to create them. So you're like, holy okay. shit, okay, fuck. Okay, so he goes on and he says, using symbols instead of real rewards has become an essential thi trick in the behavior modification toolbox. For example, a smartphone game like Candy Crush uses shiny images of candy. So he says, like, you know, Pavlov's dog. You hear the theory of Pavlov's dog. I've actually never heard it. Well, it's like Pavlov had a dog, and when he rang a bell, the dog salivated because he thought he was getting food. Oh, okay. That's the theory. So the theory was that, like, when you're a child as well, you do something good, your parents give you, get you a, reward. a lollipop, some candy. Yeah. So that's ingrained in you from a young age, so hence the reason they use symbols instead of real rewards, a.k.a. shiny images of candy in Candy Crush or jewels in Bejeweled Blitz or fucking Coin Master or whatever other fucking games. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and that's why, mm. you, you know, like when you see like, like for, take for example, like my mom, like women, women her age or whatever on their phones playing Candy Crush, don't see, they just think of it as a game. Yet they're like fucking ridiculously like my mom doesn't play it anymore, but she used to play that bejeweled blitz game, and it's the same, it's the same thing, using jewels to incentive incentivize you. Is that even a word? Incentivize, <laughs> incentive, as incentive, <laughs> as incentive. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck, okay, shit, keep going on, and then I have I have some other things. Um, highlighted. Let me see. Uh, okay, the, yeah. So, the prime directive to be engaging reinforces itself, and no one even notices that negative emotions are being amplified more than positive ones. 
Engagement is not meant to serve any particular purpose other than its own enhancement, and yet the result is an unnatural global amplification of the easy emotions, which happens to be the negative ones. So it's much easier, he's saying here that it's much easier to spread and amplify negative emotions online than it is easy ones. Okay. So he's saying one of the main reasons to delete your social media accounts is that there isn't a real choice to move to different social media accounts. Quitting entirely is the only option for change. If you don't quit, you are not creating the space in which Silicon Valley can improve itself. And he references Silicon Valley a lot because he used to work there. Like this guy <coughs> is like one of the fucking founding fathers of fucking, like he just, he was grew up in Silicon Valley basically. You know, he's written algorithms for all the companies, every single one of them. So he knows yeah. all, he knows all the people personally in there. He's friends with all of them and shit. He's saying the problem isn't behavior modification in itself. The problem is relentless robotic, ultimately, yeah, relentless robotic, ultimately meaningless behavior modification in the service of unseen manipulators and uncaring algorithms. So it's the people who are making the algorithms, <coughs> and it's the algorithms that are fucking everyone else up. It's not, it's just the people who make them as well, but it's not, it's the algorithms that are doing the damage. <laughs> right. What do you think okay. so far? I am you're kind ready, of like ready, yeah. ready to delete your account yet? <laughs> well, no, but <laughs> you did say to me before the podcast that I spend a lot of time on social media. That I did. And I agree with you. <laughs> I 100% agree with you. I, I try to find other things to do to stay off my phone. Mm. I went on the skateboard. But it but is I difficult. I find myself it stopping. It's very difficult, isn't it? I'm looking yeah. at my phone, just waiting for something to happen. Like, like, for the, like he speaks a lot about addiction in it as well, okay? And here's, here's a quote he says. He goes, A gambler is addicted not to winning exactly, but to the process in which losing is more likely. A junkie is addicted not just to the high, but to the ver vertiginous difference between the lows and the highs. It's the, so it's the risk. Is so he says, he says there's a word, there was a word in it that is like the only word I learned in the book, and it's called... It, the word is anhedonia. Anhedonia is like, you know, when like you have to have a certain thing in your life to be happy. And if you don't have that thing, you can't be happy. So I was like, so he says this about phones or whatever, and people in their phones. Like if they don't have their phone, they're nervous all the time. They're on edge. They're not happy. Like some of the shit he said, man, I was just like, what? The? Not only is your worldview distorted, but you have less awareness of other people's worldviews. You are banished from the experience of the other groups being manipulated separately. Their experiences are opaque to you as, your, as the algorithms that are driving your experiences. The version of the world you are seeing is invisible to the people who misunderstand you and vice versa. Oh, I like It's fucking trippy, <laughs> isn't it? It's so trippy. It's crazy how someone can see those so deep into something that's not considered a mass like thing i know that just because no one thinks about it no one really wants to think about it yeah exactly it's just picking up your phone it's just like picking up your dog's shit you know it just feels like something you got to do <laughs> well in this day and age yeah i don't pick up dog shit <laughs> what, what you don't yeah no i don't have a dog so i don't pick up any fucking shit um, that's it's crazy though oh man think like, about okay i'll continue on right he goes so he goes why he doesn't use social media right he goes what bums me out is not something partic particular surface pattern 
like seeing everyone else misinterpret their lives as being more wealthy, happy, and trouble-free than they are. So that that right away, like just reading that, like seeing everyone else misinterpret their lives as being more wealthy, happy, and trouble-free than they are, just because of all the shit they post. So, but instead, it's the core. He says it's the core bummer, as I said, system. He says being addicted and mani- manipulated makes me feel bad, but there's more to it than that. Bummer makes me feel judged within an unfair and degrading competition and to no higher purpose. That's nuts. Oh. Like, thinking about it, I'm going, the process of likes on Instagram or Facebook, and how not only other people judge you on that, but you judge yourself. So even if you think you're a good-looking guy or girl, and you get 10 likes, you're going to go, maybe I'm not as good-looking as I thought, even though you could be a fucking 10. Exactly, yeah. It's just a fucking... Uh contest isn't it that's all it is you have me really interested now. <laughs> okay so i'll continue on so okay don't worry okay. I, have, I have so much more shit okay negative emotions are more readily readily accessible and more profitable bummer magnets for people than positive ones if ordinary people were to get all happy and satisfied every time they went on their phone they might take a moment away from the obsession with social media numbers and go frolic in the flowers or even pay direct attention to each other but if they're all on edge about whether they're popular enough worried about whether the world is imploding, or furious at morons who are thrust into the middle of their connections with friends and families, they dare, they, then they dare not disengage. They are hooked because of provoked natural vigilance. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of big words, man. What are you talking to me? <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> it seems like the kind of thing that if you read it, Sentence by sentence, you're gonna take a few seconds in between them to try and process what you just read. Literally, like, but uh, do you understand what I just read? Do you want me to reread it? Maybe I read it too fast. Yeah, me read. Okay, so he's talking about how, as I said at the start, that negative emotions are easier to amplify than happy emotions. Okay, so he's saying it's more readily accessible for the bummer mag- for the bummer machines. And it's more profitable for people than positive ones. So, for example, if an ordinary person were to get all happy every time they picked up their phone or went on social media, then they'd stop obsessing with social media numbers and fuck off and pay direct attention to each other. But if they're all on edge about whether they're popular enough, worried about whether the world is imploding, or furious at dipshits who are on the internet making connections with their friends and families, they dare not disengage. They are hooked because of provoked natural vigilance. Trippy shit, bro. But that thing you said at the start, how it triggers and amplifies those negative feelings, is interesting. And it actually reminds me of a lyric. I miss the comfort in being sad because it's the same kind of thing. You get so comfortable in this space that you don't want to leave it because even if it's bad, it's perfect. (laughs) If that makes sense. Yeah, I think that, yeah, I actually understand that. But I think also the reason no one deletes their social media accounts, the reason anyone is on a social media account is just because other people are on social media accounts. Like, for example, if you have the Uber app, but there's no Uber drivers, what the fuck would be the point of having the Uber app? 
If you're on Tinder and there's no one else on Tinder, what the fuck is the point? It's just if everyone got rid of it, then it would be, it would benefit obviously the fucking world because I think Instagram is the most toxic out of all. But he says Facebook is when it comes to behavior modification. And we'll get into that later because it says you can skew votes and I have a, a theory, uh, there's a, an article on why Facebook makes you sadder as a person. But <laughs> let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. I would personally think Facebook is worse. Well, I think there's more toxic people on Facebook, like comment wise, like yeah. when it comes to comments, but I mean just for like the whole like competing against everyone and trying to show everyone how good your life is compared to theirs on Instagram is terrible as well. But I do think yeah. the community on Facebook is way more fucked. Like if you look on Facebook and find some communities, there is like fucked ones, like insane. Okay. I don't mean to scare you or anything, but like I'm in a lot of communities on Facebook. I mean, like my favorite TV shows one. And stuff about space and <laughs> geography and shit. Uh, one day, this one popped up. It was like Ted Bundy pants. And I was just so curious that I clicked in, I got accepted. And it's all these chicks that have completely fallen in love and sexualized Ted Bundy. Jesus and Christ. They recognize the fact that this guy has raped and killed and fucking had sex with their dead bodies. And they're like, yeah, he's for that. But his charm and his looks overpower that. Which I think is just nuts. It's insane. Gives me a great kick. What the fuck? Like, that's, that's, that's why Facebook is just so fucked. And he says that. He keeps bringing back to... Like, he likes the people who work at Facebook. But he says the algorithm for Facebook just won't be changed. He says, like, they're working to change it, supposedly. But he says... The only way to make yourself happier is to just delete Facebook, really. So he says, he says, don't even delete, like, your account. Just delete the app. And he says, go off it for a month and see how what? you feel afterwards. Yeah, a month. And he says, and I have another article that says that it makes you happier when you go off. But we'll get to that, okay? So I'll continue on. Facebook okay. and other bummer companies are becoming the ransomware of human attention. They have such a hold on so much of so many people's attention for so much of each day that they are gatekeepers to the brain. And when you think about it, they hold the attention of so much people every day. Like how many yeah. people click into Facebook more than once a day? Wait, but like how many people are actually on Facebook these days? Because I know I read a long time ago, it was like a billion people. A billion? Jesus. Yeah. In uh, there's a, there was a stat in this that said, um, he was saying that at the end of the book, he was like, may I, you may not delete your account or whatever, but he goes, uh, at least I tried or whatever. But he said people emailed him and he found a statistic that in 2018, I think 10% of people on Facebook deleted their accounts. Oh, no way. Yeah. 10% is still very low, but it's not bad. It's so a start. It is a start. So he continues on, right? And he talks about memes. Okay. And I found, I, I go, I'll continue, okay? The term was coined by the evolutionary biologist Richard Dawkins. Dawkins I know him. 
Dawkins proposed memes as units of culture that compete and are either passed along or not, according to pseudo-Darwinian selection process. Whatever the fuck that is. Those some fashion ideas and... Darwinian selection, obviously, is a part of the evolutionary process what Darwin talks about. Thus, some fashion ideas and habits take hold while others become extinct. Like memes. You know what I mean? Some catch on. Some are shitty. Yeah. Oh, okay. This is some fucking... I remember highlighting this because this is just fucked my brain okay so i'll, I'll read it nice low and slow because, my brain, bro. because <laughs> there's a lot of big words and it's just okay it goes our ability to conquer mystery is still a mystery this can be a difficult truth to accept apparently and some techies prefer to live in denial here are some truths we currently don't have a scientific description of a thought or a conversation we don't know how ideas are represented in a brain we don't know what an idea is from a scientific point of view. That doesn't mean we never will understand these things scientifically, just that we don't yet understand them. We can pretend that we will understand them any minute, so it is as if we already understand them, but then we are just lying to ourselves. Wow. <laughs> as you were saying that, I was thinking of so many different things of how to respond, but... I'm pretty flabbergasted. So, like, you can't even get a scientific description of an idea because, it do, like, you, oh, it just, you, we don't yet understand them. You can pretend that we understand them at any minute, but then we're just lying to ourselves. So, let me ask you, what's your description of a thought? Of a thought? Yeah, that's what he's talking about, isn't it? Like, yeah. the yeah, ideas no talk form in your head. There is no yeah. actual description for them. Scientific description. Yeah. yeah. There is, there is, there. obviously there's descriptions, considering I'm going to attempt to fucking describe it now, but there is no scientifically way to describe an idea because that's just it's an just idea. <laughs> It's just the brain <laughs> that's just an doing idea what it's supposed to do, isn't it? A good idea. It's just, yeah, it, it's just a thought is really like, <sighs> fuck. It's a really hard one. <laughs> it is, yeah. Yeah, like, ooh. let me go on to let me go on to our boy Google, another bummer machine. Go okay. Oh, Google, bummer machine. Google is a bummer machine as well. Yeah, Google is one of the worst ones. And it, I can see say, that because I'll show you the next thing here is skits. Okay, but yeah, carry on. Sorry, what you're saying? No, I was just because Google is probably the most popular engine, and at the same time, if people have a question they don't know the answer to, it's just Google. I'm going to Google it. Exactly. I'm not going to go find the book on it. I'm not going to ask someone who's a fucking expert in that subject. I'm just going to Google it because yeah. I'm lazy. And everyone and has can't. a Google account as well, like your Gmail. Yeah. Okay. That's what the, the Google account is. So I, I, I remember he said something in the book as well. I don't think I highlighted it, but he said, not like when, um, so say you go on to a Japanese page, like you find a clothing company that's Japanese and you go onto the page and it says, translate this page into English. 
Okay, they didn't get a, a translator to go translate that page. What the algorithm does is, is when someone, when a, a Japanese person, you like maybe translate something into English, they take that word and they piece it together in a coherent way, the algorithm does. So they take from people freely, like it's free and people don't know about it and they take them words and then they put it into the website which changes it and turns it into, um, what do you call it? It uh, changes the language into English. But they're not doing it. it. It's taking from other people without them knowing about it. So he's saying like if people knew and they were getting paid for it, then it would be acceptable. But because it's being taken from with different websites, from different people who've written different articles, people who've translated things on Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, everything, it's just white... All of it is taken and put together and boom, translated on the page. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like 75% of the stuff you've talked about, about this book makes a lot of sense. But some of it I'm kind of going, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I know. It's it's. But when you read the whole, like, even I'm still saying what, like, because the book is, it's very articulate. It's not that long. It's like two hours long, but it's not, it's like really articulate. And like a lot of it is hard to understand and follow. But when you do get the some parts that you do get, just fucking like, I'm looking on Google here, man. And it's like, how to describe thoughts. And it's just giving me adjectives. Like, how do you describe thinking? And it's just saying cerebration, cogitation, contemplation, deliberation, excogigation. How do you describe your mind? And just as here's some adjectives for mind. Joyful or quiet, communal mortal, smooth and steadfast. Like, uh, how do you describe mind deep blown. thoughts? <laughs> the word you are looking for is pensive. In the US, we often use the expression Still waters run deep to describe someone who is unusually quiet and seems to be always lost in thought. That doesn't give me any fucking clarification on how... <laughs> okay, That's well. crazy how Google can even offer you that explanation. It's just basically them going off the conjecture of other people that think they know what they're talking about. Literally, I asked for what is it, and they're just giving me other words for thoughts. So it it's can't a even be situation to me looking up how to raise sentences for assignments. It doesn't give me that answer, but it gives me a basis. Yeah, oh, actually, oh, I wish I could. I wish I had old pictures on my phone. But I remember one time I wrote into Google. Uh, oh, fuck up. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to skip it. I can't remember. So continue. <laughs> Google's director of engineering, right? Listen to this fucking shit. Ray Kurzweil promotes the idea that Google will be able to upload your consciousness into the company's cloud, like the pictures you take with your smartphone. So one of my bo one of my mates was saying this earlier uh, on a previous podcast, that th the most recent one actually, and he said that when you're older, that's going to be a thing, right? So this motherfucker is actually saying that he promotes, he's promoting the idea that Google will be able to do that. But he famously, this motherfucker Ray Kurzweil, ingests a whole carton of longevity pills every day in the hope that he won't die before the service comes online. Jesus. <laughs> so in Why would you want that, though? 
I know. I don't understand. It's like, why would you be taking? He's taking a fucking whole carton of longevity pills. Like, wh- what? That can't be good for you. No way. <laughs> like, I mean, what even is longevity, longevity pills? pills? Probably like? fuck you up in the long run. So it goes, note what's going on here. The assertion is not that consciousness doesn't exist, but whatever, but that whatever it is, Google will own it. Because otherwise, what could this service even be about? It's a good point. Mm-hmm. Trippy as fuck, but still it's... He goes on, he talks about AI, and I didn't really... Artificial intelligence. Yeah, I didn't really highlight much about it. Oh, fuck. That's everything I've have highlighted. But okay, so, so I move on from that from the Kindle. Just one last thing. Yeah, go for it. Do you ever notice how, say, if you want a new pair of sunglasses, and you're just chilling with your boys, talking about how you're gonna get a new pair of sunglasses, you go home, you jump into bed, and you're on Instagram, Facebook, and ads for sunglasses are the first thing you see. Yes. That fucks me up, like. It's true. I'd be thinking, it? it's very there's true. no way it's your phone. It's only your phone recognizing these things. Someone is behind the computer looking at what you're doing all the time. And he's going, this guy is willing to spend his money on this object. We're going to highlight it. We're going to promote this on his media. So he spends that money and what some of the tax off that money comes to us. <laughs> But you see, the thing is, I was thinking, like, you know the way, Jack? Mm-hmm. Okay, you can hear me. You know the way, like, I was thinking the same thing, but when I search something on, like, I, for example, I was looking up mini fridges. God. And then after looking at the mini fridge, I was scrolling through, like, on Google, and then while I was scrolling through Instagram, ads for mini fridges came up. Yeah. So obviously they're because they're both boomer machines, Facebook is owned Facebook owns WhatsApp. Oh so Instagram and WhatsApp. So obviously they're interconnected in some fucking way because that shit wouldn't come up otherwise. Exactly. So (laughs) it's so trippy. So let's move on to Facebook. Okay. So we have here a because he has footnotes like this is how fucking articulate he is in the the book, but he has footnotes, and thankfully with the Kindle I can look at these footnotes. So he the footnote is Facebook experiment boosts U.S. voter turnout. So just how much can activity on Facebook influence the real world? About three hundred and forty thousand extra people turned out to vote in t- the two thousand ten U.S. Congress Congress fuck me, the U.S. congressional elections because of a single election day Facebook message. Estimate researchers who ran an experiment involving 61 million users of the social network. An extra 340,000 people went out just because of one single election day Facebook message. And they sent it to, they sent it to 61 million users now, which is a pretty low number for 340,000, but still. So he was saying that in the 2016 election, with Trump and Hillary, Facebook approached the both of them and they said, we can give you your teams for Facebook for promotion. Trump said yes. Hillary said no. And okay. 
if Hillary had said yes, he believes that she would have won because Facebook would have influenced more people to go out and vote for her. But because because it was such a narrow margin, supposedly that they that he won by, that if she had done it, their voters probably would have went out and it would have boosted votes for her. Fucking hell, like that's madness. Like, like oh. fucked up. Says the experiment assigned all U.S. Facebook users who are were over eighteen and accessed the website on the second of November, twenty ten, the day of the elections, to one of three groups. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird one. <laughs> yeah, that was a yeah. It wasn't from the trot. About six hundred and eleven thousand users received. A one percent is that one percent of Jesus received an informational message at the top of their news feeds, which encouraged them to vote, provided a link to the information on local polling pot places and included a clickable I voted button and a counter of Facebook users who had clicked it. About 60 million users, 98%, received a social message, which included the same elements, but also showed the profile pictures of up to six randomly selected Facebook friends who had clicked the I voted button. The remaining 1% of users were assigned to a control group that received no message. So see how they do it. They they put a little fucking they, a link, uh, an informative link on local polling places, and a fucking clickable "I voted" button, and sixty million users received that social message. Ninety eight percent of Facebook. So there's sixty one million people on Facebook in twenty ten. So obviously that has increased, but it picked six random selected Facebook friends who clicked the "I voted" button. Like that's. Such a trippy way of doing it. Like the researchers it's then compared the group's online behavior and matched six point three million users with publicly available voting records to see which group was actually most likely to vote in real life. That's <laughs> global manipulation. Man, it literally the results show that those who got the informational message voted at the same rate as those who saw no message at all. But those who saw the social message were two percent more likely to click the I voted button and 0.3% more likely to seek information about a polling place than those who received the informational message, and 0.4% more likely to head to the polls than either or the, either other group. The social that would make you wonder as well how many people actually clicked that I voted. I didn't. Just for the vote. sake of saying, oh, I voted. Literally. It's insane. Like, just, like, fucking... Uh, the social message, the researchers estimate, directly increased turnout by 60,000 votes, but a further 280,000 people were indirectly nudged to the polls by seeing messages in their news feeds, for example, telling them that their friends had clicked the I voted button. The online social network helps to quadruple the effect of the message. So, for example, telling them that their friends had clicked the I voted button would encourage them to go out and vote. It's the influence of social media as well. It is. 100%. Because if you see someone else do it, you're going to go out and fucking do it as well. Exactly. And that's my problem with fucking TikTok, man. I don't understand why so many people are into it. And when I really took the time to sit back and think about it, it's because all of these social media influencers have become bigger popular because of it. Yeah, and, and then there's just the these people well. that are deciding, 
oh yeah, they can do it. They're getting pretty popular off it. I'm going to do the exact same thing and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. But yet they have two followers and one of them is probably a fucking dog. Yeah. And it says that because, remember I was saying the negative emotions, that the people who get famous off these social media platforms, nine times out of ten, are the assholes. Because yeah. they're assholes. Because they're roasting everybody. Think about it. When you think of, of shit you see online, the funniest shit is just people roasting people. Yeah. Like Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> literally roasts other chefs. And it's fucking amazing. I'd watch the shit out of it all the time. That is one of my go-to things if I'm staunch. Lying in bed, I don't know what the fuck to do with myself. Whack on some Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, actually, I haven't, haven't watched him in a while. I miss him. Yeah, he's a he's funny... But he says, only close friends influenced users to vote in the real world. Facebook users have an average of about 150 friends, but they are likely to have close relationships with only 10. The closest 10 friends on Facebook mattered. The other 140 didn't matter at all. Mm. Ah, damn. How I many friends... Do you have on Facebook? Um, I actually have a decent amount. I think I have more friends on Facebook than I do Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I have 790 friends on Facebook. I'm going to check real you quick. See, but I think it was around 1,300 the last time I checked. Jesus. But you see, I wouldn't mind. I, I would add people back on Facebook. You know what I mean? Because I don't post yeah. on Facebook. I don't fucking share shit on Facebook. And there's not much to see on my profile. Like, I was going through my profile the other day because I'm thinking of deleting Facebook. And I was going through it to see if I'd miss it. And I don't think I really would. Like, other than, like, the only thing that gets me on Facebook is I click into a funny video and I watch it. And rather than backing out, I scroll down. And you look at the rest and of the videos. And then I looked at the other videos. And, mm -hmm. like, Ink Master gets me all the fucking time. Like, I'm just watching some fucking random video, and then I scroll down, and they know, the algorithm fucking knows that to hold my attention, they will have a fucking Ink Master video there. And it'll come on, and it'll be 40 fucking minutes, and then 40 minutes later, I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> I just watched fucking people tattoo other people's heads for 40 minutes. Like, fuck. I just checked my Facebook, and I was way off, man. I have 2,807 friends. 2,807. And I would say, I know, maybe 500 of them, if even that. Fucking hell. But yeah, my like, process is, I see a hot person, I'm going to take a chance them, yeah, and add them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but why don't you fucking remove them then when it fails? The fucking effort, man. <laughs> and plus, if they think I look good or like what I share, it's more likes. Which draws back to this fucking book yeah, you're talking about, yeah. because... It does. As much as I hate the materialism, I want those likes. If I didn't get them, I would actually feel shit about myself, you know? <laughs> I know, and that we shouldn't, though. That, that, that shouldn't be a thing. Like, that shouldn't be... Like, we should just be free. Don't have them. Be fine. We don't have to fucking think about what uh, this fucking contest all the time. Look, I need to take a five-minute break. Okay. You crack open another can. I'm going to pause no, this uh, in three, two, one, two, one. All right, we're back. So, okay, so we were talking about the experiment that Facebook boosts user voter turnout. So, continuing on with Facebook. Mm -hmm. Another research article here. Hopefully, it comes up for me. Okay, here we go, yes. 
Experimental evidence of massive scale emotional contagion through social networks. So we show via a massive um, Facebook experiment that emotional states can be transferred to others via emotional contagion, leading people to experience the same emotions without their awareness. We provide experimental evidence that emotional contagion occurs without direct interaction between people, aka exposure to a friend expressing an emotion in is sufficient, and in the complete in, in the complete absence of nonverbal cues. Like what? <laughs> so it's not even nonverbal. Okay. It's psychological. Like it's like without you even fucking knowing it. So emotional states can be transferred to other people to others via emotional contagion, leading people to experience the same emotions without their awareness. Emotional contagion is well established in laboratory experiments with people transferring positive and negative emotions to others. Data from a large real-world social network collected over a 20-year period suggests that longer-lasting moods, uh, example, depression, happiness, can be transferred through networks. Although the results yeah. are controversial, in an experiment with people who use Facebook, we test whether emotional contagion occurs outside of in-person interaction between individuals by reducing the amount of emotional content in the news feed. So when positive expressions were reduced, people produced fewer positive posts and more negative posts. When negative expressions were reduced, the opposite pattern occurred. These results indicate that emotions expressed by others on Facebook influence our emotions, our own emotions, constituting experimental evidence for massive-scale contagion via social networks. This work also suggests that in contrast to prevailing assumptions, in-person interaction and nonverbal cues are, strictly, are not strictly necessary for emotional contagion and that the observation of others' positive experiences constitutes a positive experience for people. Hence why he's saying to delete Facebook just for a month. Because if you're seeing negative shit on Facebook all the time and positive shit on Facebook all the time. You're feeling happy, you're feeling sad or whatever. If you're not on it at all, you're going to be fucking happy, obviously. Because you're not going to be skewed. Mm. I'm inclined to disagree just a little bit because I understand if you delete your social media from basis of what we said, it'll help your mind. But if you are naturally boring person that doesn't have a lot going for them and your social media handle is your way of self-expression how the fuck are you going to know how to feel positive happy without those influences you know okay so we go to the next article considering you've you've brought up this argument study sure. suggests facebook users are happier if they leave for a month they also find themselves using it less when they come back You've no doubt heard anecdotal evidence of Facebook users feeling better after they've quit the social network, but how often does that help really? A fair amount, according to a researchers, to researchers, a study from the New York University and Stanford showed that Facebook users were happy, happier, more satisfied with life, and slightly less likely to feel anxious, depressed, or lonely. They also used other social networks less and used Facebook less when they came back. Those who were off Facebook found a number of things to do in its place, including meeting friends and family or watching TV, reading a book, etc., watching a movie. They didn't spend as much time consuming news. Though, this doesn't necessarily mean that you should rush to delete your account. As TechCrunch observed, there are some factors to consider. This is self-reported data, so there's a chance this doesn't represent the subject's complete emotional landscape. 
It's unclear what would happen if the break were longer, for that matter. Also, the researchers conducted this study ahead of the 2016 US presidential election, right when political tensions were high. It might have been more enjoyable to leave Facebook simply because it helped users avoid heated debates and rhetoric. With that said, the findings lend credence to claims that taking a break might help. While it's still not clear how social networks affect mental health, there are indications of potential problems. Between the fierce political discussions and cherry-picked moments, you're not really getting a full picture of other people's lives that might skew your feelings in unexpected ways. And that's that. Okay, well, I've been talking to my cousin, and we're a bit close. About three months ago, he deleted all his social media handles. And only about two weeks ago, I went out skating, and I was like, I'm bored. I'm going to ring him, see how he is. And he's never been better. He said deleting all his social media, like, reincarnated his concept of boredom and how... When he had nothing to do, or when he felt like he had nothing to do, he would just go on his own. And now he doesn't have that anymore. He actually does practical things because of it. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like I'd be the same. Because when you don't don't have much to do, you're on your fucking phone. That's why, I I don't think I told you, but I've put my phone on downtime now. On Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. For during college, so from 10 o'clock to half four every day, all my social media apps are on downtime except for Messenger, hence we can chat and WhatsApp. So what does downtime mean? Downtime means, like, you can put it on, it's on iPhones, so you can put downtime on, and you can pick certain apps to not put downtime on, obviously, but I just put them on all the social media ones, and except for, like, the the few I need, like, I'll I'll, I'll keep, like, Spotify is still on, um, Mm and uh messenger whatsapp and my notes moodle and teams that's all you really need like for when i have college and uh, microsoft word and powerpoint yeah other than that i'm like when i go into snapchat it says you've reached your limit for snapchat for the day and then you just press okay so i can't go into it until four o'clock and then when four o'clock hits i can go on my phone basically that's that's mad yeah, you're restricting yourself. I'm, I'm Whereas in most cases, off. other people have to restrict other people. You know what I mean? No, I don't. Explain. Okay, so when I was younger, if I no, I used to I never be able to go to sleep without a movie on. So I'd be watching a movie, and I there my parents put a timer on it on the TV. So it would go off at 11 or 12 o'clock. So I had no other choice but to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. I would never do that for myself. I would never do that to myself. I would make the bank that decision myself. But you have decided to make that decision for yourself now. Yes. Where it's a very mature thing to do. But it's also an insecurity in yourself that if you don't have that, you know you're going to do it. Yeah, I know. But it's an insecurity in everybody. Yeah. Think about it. Like, I, I'm working on trying to lo- to use my, my apps. Not my phone, because I'm not addicted to my phone. I'm addicted to the apps on my phone. Mm-hmm. 
That's what it is to the apps on the phone. So if I can just wean myself off slowly, but I find myself like, okay, I'm not on my phone for that amount of time of the day. But as soon as that four, half four time limit comes off, I'm, I'm, I'm making up for the lost time by going through everything on my phone then. You know, doing the rounds, going on to Instagram, checking the stories, scrolling down for a bit, going on to Facebook, scrolling down for a bit. Going on to Snapchat, tech, checking people's stories, checking my memories, checking my snaps. You know what I mean? And it's Watching crazy how that stupid, stupid, simple shit stimulates your mind so much. Oh, like it's like a, it's like a, it's a need. I feel I'm like, oh, maybe I need to, yeah. I need to check what my friends are doing. I need to see what this person is doing today. I need to see if they've posted, or I need to see if I have a snap or not. Like where I shouldn't fucking give a shit. Like I shouldn't care less. Yeah, I really like. Snapchat, he doesn't mention Snapchat in it because Snapchat isn't there. Or YouTube. He says, YouTube can kind of skew your opinion, but that's just because of the things you watch, the things it suggests to you. But other than that, it has like no uh, virtual effect on how it, it makes you feel as a person, really, because you can learn on YouTube. That's what he was saying. He says, you can go onto YouTube and you can learn how to make things, build things, just by watching the videos. So... And he's, he's saying the, the, the same with uh, LinkedIn as well. I don't have LinkedIn, but he says that... Um, LinkedIn is for posh faggots, bro. Yeah, but he was saying that to get... It, it helps you get jobs or it helps um, create contacts for jobs. Something along the lines of that, which makes it more beneficial than other social media apps because it actually has something, like it gives you something. It has that effect on your life yeah. that it can allow you to develop. Exactly, well. yeah. It has a benefit towards it where all the rest don't necessarily have a benefit other than keeping in contact with friends and family. That's the only pro, really. Yeah, I understand. But the downtime, it's a fucking... It's hefty. It is. But I I'd find myself so. at night now, um, like after I've done the rounds... Like, you know, where you usually just find yourself scrolling then just to pass time. I've been not doing that. So at like 10 or whenever, when I go up to chill upstairs, I'm just reading the Kindle now. Oh, yeah. So so you're actually stimulating your mind a bit yeah, more. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe I can actually, rather than looking at stupid mindless fucking bullshit on my phone, I can learn stuff by reading. And that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to do. Hence the reason I read that book and I bought, the book I bought last night was, um... Marxism's guide, uh, Mark, um, Car a guide on Karl Marx. I love Karl Marx, man. I love him. No, I know absolutely nothing about Karl Marx. Really? Yeah, I know jack shit. So I think one of the and you're in Utah community, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> I know, uh, like I know who Karl Marx is. I know I've heard him mentioned several times. I know he has. He's a philosopher. I know he goes on about. He wrote, yeah, he wrote one of the most influential documents of all time. Twenty first century, yeah, nearly of all yeah. time, as influential as the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. So, I bought the book last night, Marxism: A Graphic Guide, and it's actually really, really good. It just like also, it's it's hard to follow because there's so much in it, and it, the things he says, the theories, and all. Him and Hegel, Hegel, I think it was his best mate or something. Yeah. And. uh they fucking, 
the theories they have. Let me see. I have. See, I'm only 15% through it because uh, I only bought it there the other night. But I have some things just highlighted just while we're on it. Like, might as well. Um, have you ever seen a picture of Karl Marx? I have, yeah. He looks like a King Charles. <laughs> yeah, you've, got a, you've got a point. Very interesting, man. He had a lot. Of, he had a lot to say. Oh man, and so interesting. Yeah, he's just—he's one of the most influential figures in history, and not only of sociology or philosophy, <laughs> the world. He's huge. Everyone should fucking know who he is. And if they don't, that shows their lack of culture. It does. Well, I feel like a fucking ass now because I hardly know anything about him. But Well, you know who he is. Yes. But Imagine saying to somebody, oh, do you know who Karl Marx is? And they're like, oh, I don't know. He's an actor. I'd want to hit them, you know? Yeah. Fair point. He sounds like a fucking pimp. And I think... <laughs> I remember Brian saying that uh no no Mick. Mick was saying that like Mick obviously loves him. Yeah. Um so I think he one of the I think one of the girls then sent that book into the chat and they sent another a youth workers book as well that I I, I have to get as well that I was gonna read. Um mm-hmm. but I I wanna watch I wanna read the marks one first. So instead of going on social media now at night time, scrolling through my shit, I'll just read the book and you then I'll go the to research, bed, and yeah. then I'll go to bed. There was something I saw once that I thought was really good. And it was, if a drug addict has an opinion, does the fact he's a drug addict separate the fact that it's an opinion from someone who's rich and successful? That's basically an example of what he said. doesn't matter who you are, where you come from. What you have to say is the same level of importance as what someone in the sense of class higher than you is just as worthy as what they have to say. Hmm. Like this guy fucking had a third eye. Yeah, I would bet my money this guy smoked PMT every day, you know? <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that as I go deeper into the book it'll say he experimented. Has to hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I I have no inclusive thought on that but i would bet a lot of money on it <laughs> definitely if he's saying this stuff ah, damn now, after just hearing that there i think it's kind of a little bit off point but I, I read this thing the other day i think it was uh, japanese or it was some form of some culture anyway that before they like say if someone proposed an idea they were speaking about it in a council, yeah. they would speak about the idea sober and then they would get drunk and speak about the idea. And if it sounded well both times, then they would they they would go through follow through with the idea. Which you know it's <laughs> like <laughs> that's not I don't bad, know how to respond to that. It's not a bad way of testing things, really. Like I mean, it's not. It's not a hundred percent concrete. Yeah, no, not definitely not. There is some rationale behind it. Yeah, partially. Like, if everyone's sitting around going, "Hmm, that actually, that does actually kind of make a lot of sense," and then when you're fucked up, then you you're thinking differently, and you're like, "Wait a second. Yeah, if people can make sense 
of a philosophical argument, you're trying to make when you're drunk, then you know you're doing something right. You're talking about it the way it's supposed to be talked about. Because yeah. a lot of people, like, say if you said to somebody, explain what evolution is when they're sober, and they explain it perfectly, they relate to Darwin, they relate to the ev- evolutionary process, and then they're drunk, and they still talk about the same thing, and how we came from the sea to fish to fucking all these other things, uh, you're going to go, they actually know what they're talking about. But if they start this fucking talk about how we were once Bigfoots and all that shit, you're going to be going right. They're talking. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I'd, I'd say the way I'd say saying it drunker would you would simplify it because you're lazier when you're drunk. It would simplify it to the people that are also drunk. But if someone is sober and you're shiting out of you, they're going to just find holes in your uh, game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yes. Trip I have a question. Go for it. Unrelated. Go for it. Yeah, let's go on. Just because we've been on this topic for a while. Okay, yes. I want to change it. Yes. Um, have you seen the movie Arrival? Um, Ryan, uh, Ryan Reynolds? Jake Gyllenhaal? No, Arrival. Who's in it? Oh, what's that? Amy Adams. Or Amy McAdams. Amy McAdams. And your man that plays... Hawkeye in the Avengers, Jeremy Renner. Okay. Well, the movie is about I aliens. Seen I haven't seen it. Earth. I know what you're talking about. I haven't seen it yet. Man. I am in love with alien movies. They're one of my favorite movies to watch because they all have different conceptions and perspectives of what they are, why they would come here, what their message would be. This movie is about all these crafts that come all over the world and no one knows what they're trying to do. So they find this woman that Amy Adams, McAdams plays, and she's a language expert. She's a what? So he, he has to go forth what is she learn the language, oh, a language to okay. communicate. Okay. And it's just about her dissecting that language, coming to, to how do I say, evolving the vocabulary of that language to understand why they're actually here and it's fucking insane man i was mind blown <laughs> i remember just sitting there for like 10 minutes after the movie looking into space like whoa that changed me. and the way i think about it is fucking so, amazing so you're recommending i watch arrival man you're saying of course I think personally, it is right up there with the original Ridley Scott Alien. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Bold statement. Yeah, and that's a fucking bold statement. Unbelievable movie. <laughs> like that movie, man. The Ridley Scott fucking Alien. That is scary. People talk about horror movies. When you watch that, and you have this concept of aliens being little white fucking men. You're just, you're scared. Like, things are parasites that their whole fucking evolutionary process is to kill. <laughs> In the movie, how are the aliens depicted? Like, how, I don't, obviously they're fucking flesh-eating monsters or whatever, but no. how, are they, how do they In arrival. How do they look? They look. Have you seen Cloverfield, yeah? 
Yes. So they're very tall. Mm-hmm. They they communicate through science. So like the whole premise is this: the way they communicate is through circles and different patterns of circles, and each word is different. A sentence is a circle. It's so hard, man. But I just I couldn't recommend. It. Okay, well, I'm gonna write this somewhere. I'm gonna write the this. best thing about the movie, which really shook me, was that the aliens have no concept of linear time. They have been in the past, they have seen the future, and only in the present, they're neutral because they know exactly what has happened and everything that's going to happen. It's just... Uh, that sounds fucking... It's trippy. <laughs> it is trippy. Like, the first... I watched it, and I thought I understood it. I picked up on a few things. And you know the way when you watch a movie... And the ending is so fucked that you have to look up those movie explanations on YouTube. Yeah. I'd done that. <laughs> I was like, ah, that makes fucking sense now, you know? Because <laughs> I think I've seen one scene with Amy Adams and she's walking towards, I want to say, a glass box. Yeah, it's it's the same kind of yeah, yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that I have. I know I haven't seen the full scene. I've just seen that one clip of her walking towards said glass box. Yeah, where they depict aliens as these gods, literally like they're. When you look at them, you're not even thinking they're an alien. You think they're an other dimensional god. It's just fucking. I don't know. <laughs> I'll check it out. Amy Adams is a good actor. Have you ever she seen is, her in Nocturnal Animals with Jake Gyllenhaal? Great movie. Great fucking movie. Great fucking movie. Have you watched? so happy what happens to her at the end of it as well. Bitch. Have you, have you watched anything lately? Anything lately? Um, uh, the most... Uh, fuck. Not necessarily, no. I haven't been watching much movies or anything other than the boys tv series but i watched the um the invisible man a while back oh yeah the wrestler batista isn't that huh is that wrestler guy no 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 the invisible man have you not seen it now wait kate moss elizabeth no sorry not kate moss elizabeth Oh. oh man it's a remake of a horror movie but it obviously has a 21st century spin on it yeah it's so good man it's such a good horror movie because they use they the best way to put it is they use space they use the space that is provided so like say like because it's the invisible man you're constantly looking to see if there's some like if you can see if there's an invisible person there like if you can see anything moving if you can see their them shifting anything changing Ooh. and i watched like and i've watched it once and i saw like it's nothing it's just negative space like they might not even be there but they are there you know they are there because in the movie elizabeth moss knows like she's actually a, she's really she's a really intelligent like person when it comes to fending off this invisible person like mm. as in, like she knows when there's someone there like she knows when there's someone looking at her so she always like she's always sensing that 
there's people around and then the camera will pan around the room or whatever. It'll pan, it'll pan, and it'll just show you a fucking empty space, and then it'll pan back to her then, and you're just like, is there fucking someone there? You're just so on edge all the time. <laughs> and then there is parts where there's nobody there, and then there's parts where there is people there. And there was I was watching a, a video today, or no, yesterday as well, hence the reason why I bring it back up, on, um, like, uh, you know, uh, Cinema Sins, but it was Cinema Wins, so everything great about you know, the Invisible Oh, planet. okay. But there's a part in it where a knife gets taken off a table. And I didn't cop it whatsoever. Like, not one single... Like, they're obviously, in that scene, you know he's there. You know, the invisible yeah. man's there because he turns up um, he turns up a gas stove. And you can see the stove go up slightly. So that's how you know. But beside the stove, there's a knife. And you just see the knife being whipped off the table. And I didn't didn't cop it when I watched it and I watched the cinema wins and he mentioned it and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this movie's fucking amazing. It's, it's really, really good for a horror movie. Very good. I can't recommend it anymore considering I don't necessarily watch horror movies and or like them. That's That's good because I love movies that have those hidden details that you don't notice at first, but as you watch it a few exactly. times, yeah, that's you start to notice yes. these things more. Mm -hmm. But th see the, the movie makes you, like and invest you to want to see these things because it's a movie about the invisible man you know this lady's being fucking followed by the invisible so you're constantly watching out but as i said like even though i was fully vigilant watching that fucking movie i missed the, the knife being ripped off the table so good mind blown so good <laughs> and she's great in it as well but the plot the plot is good pretty basic but like the not movie, hard to follow like yeah no, it's not the hardest to follow but i was I, I was confused at one part thankfully that that video yesterday cleared it up but i was confused but it cleared it up but it, it's pretty basic but the directing in it is just so good so here's the question for you mm -hmm. what's the most confusing movie you've ever seen something that like after you're going what the fuck did I just watch? Uh, I know there's definitely something, and because I remember leaving the cinema, I I think you'll agree being, with me. And just being like, when what I say the that, fuck did I just watch? Midsummer was the biggest head fuck of my life. I'll tell you right fucking now, and whoever will listen to this podcast, Midsummer is the fucking shittest fucking movie. <laughs> I have ever fucking watched in my life. If you fucking think of that movie logically, it is. F and my fucking my fifth cousin is in that movie, bro. Jack Rayner. Oh, I remember you telling me he's that. He's my yeah. fucking cousin. That motherfucker. He's in that movie. <laughs> it's a fuck, and it did so well. It did so well because it had one of those fucking hidden things where it was her face in the bush. Other than no. that, there's fucking nothing cool in that fucking... It's the most stupidest, ridiculous... We want to read through the <laughs> plot, man. I just thought it was fucking stupid. Now, wonder man, your head was fucked after you reason left. That movie done well is because Robert Eggers done it. And The and Witch, he did the witch yeah. was fucking unbelievably Wait, good. Robert Eggers didn't do... He didn't do Midsommar, did he? I'm pretty sure he did, man. No, he only did The Witch and The Lighthouse, man. Okay, maybe. I think it was some other dude, but I know, I know, but it was, it was the same. 
production company that okay. was becoming the best new horror production company. Okay. So everyone was like, they fucking brought out Hereditary, The Witch. It was Ari Aster. Ari Aster directed it. But yeah. he did, um, what's, he did Hereditary. Yeah. And Hereditary is amazing. Um, Hereditary, Hereditary is so fucking good. Fucking amazing. I watched that, re- that's actually the most recent movie I've watched, come to think of. I watched that recently. I thought that was fucking brilliant. So good. Without away spoilers, ever may listen to this. When she's driving what in the, the car. What the fuck did you think of the end? Oh, the end. Jesus, man. Well, when I... When when he's in the attic, mm. and I'm just going to say piano wire, that was yeah. fucking scaring as shit. I was like, what the fuck am I watching right now? <laughs> but at the start, when they're driving in the car, home oh, from the party, uh-huh. mate, my fucking jaw hit my dick. I was like, what <laughs> the fuck? Did you notice, though? Did you fucking notice? On the lamppost. Yes, is the sign, is the symbol. Yeah. Yes. yes. It was all it was orchestrated. It, it was, was always a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that movie, to get I, him out of her I watched body. that when it came out, man. I remember seeing it in the cinema. And then I hadn't watched it until it came on Netflix. And I only remembered a few little bits. So I was like the best friend who likes our movies. You got to come around. I don't give a fuck what you're doing. I don't give a fuck what you, what you have to submit. Come the fuck around and watch this movie. <laughs> So he did, and the bits I knew, the only bits I could remember, is the lamppost and the classroom bit. The only bits I could remember. the classroom bit, yes. Yeah, and I remember looking at his face. I was looking at him, watching it for the first time, and like <laughs> his eyebrows were like touching his hair. You know, he just didn't yeah. know what the fuck Mind was happening. Blown. Mind blown. It was crazy. Crazy. So and one of the best parts that's been out in a while. Definitely. Very, very good movie. So that was 2018. Midsommar was 2019. So obviously people wanted to go see his next movie considering Hereditary was so good. Now, yeah. Midsommar, it's it's quite gory. The, the yeah. grotesque, there is grotesque pictures in it, like like scenes. Like when he, when it, when um guy jumps off the cliff and he hits his face off the rock. That's Super the gruesome. That actually got to me. Yeah, no, I was, was like, super "Who the gruesome. fuck would actually do that?" Oh, you know, and and then it, it zooms into his face, and his face is like fucking opened, and then yeah. um, one guy jumps off, and he gets hit in the face with a mallet. Super gruesome as well. When they find his mate in the shed, and he's like wingified, like his his fucking rib cage is winged open. Yeah, gruesome as fuck as well. But other than that, I just thought the movie was fucking shit. Oh man, so bad. I can't believe I actually sat through fucking two hours of it. Oh, like, man. Like, remember after just it's going, the ending, I could have just watched South Park, oh, you know? The ending, like, like if you think about it logically, like, it, it was supposed to be empowerment and stuff, and you're like, okay, I'm all for that, mate, but he was, fu- like, her, my cousin, <laughs> he was drugged, you know what I mean? He was tripping balls, he didn't know where he was, as much as fucking won the fucking deity or whatever the fuck it was and he's tripping dick like remember when he's sitting at the fucking dinner table and he's like what's happening to me and some cunt just comes up behind him and claps yeah. <laughs> and his whole vision is just shook like he just looks off his tits and obviously they fucking bring him to a barn they lead him to the fucking barn and 
he has sex with a woman because he's off his fucking face. Yeah. I don't think that, like, okay. And she was pretty hot as well, so yeah. fucking fair play to your cousin. <laughs> but, like, okay, maybe he's a piece of shit, okay? Maybe <laughs> you can't blame the drugs on cheating on your girlfriend, okay? I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that that gives a good enough reason to stick him inside of a bear and light him on fire. It's like, no, fuck you, Ari, you fucking dick. What the <laughs> fuck were you thinking? Just because he fucking drugged off his tits and he, ah, oh, I just, and then she smiles at the end then. I She's know, fucking yeah. smiling. She's like, oh, I just fucking burnt my boyfriend alive because he fucked some chick when he was off his <laughs> tits on LSD. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous, stupid shit. And I know you're not supposed to think of movies like that, but it just pissed me off. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it pissed me off. <clears throat> but while we're on the topic, what is the biggest movie that's had an influence on you as a person? What has changed you? Like, what has made you think differently or see things differently through cinema? It's pretty odd. Like, okay, I want to think more about this. The, yeah. the instant thought I had was Stand By Me. Yeah. Um, what movie? just such a great movie you know what i mean so deep it's just a a, a, a friend a good movie about friends you know what i mean yeah it makes that's the core of it yeah, friendship it is it makes you think but that's the first thing and I'm, i feel like that's a generic answer and i want to i want to sit and think well so while i'm thinking do you have because i'm assuming you asked the question you know i i'm not like a hundred percent on it but there is a few things like the Green Mile is very up there for me. Yeah. Just because I've seen that movie literally no joke about 20 times. And every time it just hits me right in the soul, you know, that how these people that aren't bad people at all because of evidence and shit can be fucked over, you know? Yeah. And... He was the purest soul, like, in the whole thing. And he got up to him. And not just the Green Mile. And obviously, I think a lot of people think this, but the Dark Knight, that is just another breed of movie. Yeah. But, like, I, Dark Knight doesn't, like, it's just, like, it's too good. You know what I mean? Yeah. It doesn't give me, like, what, what the question you're asking, I wouldn't really relate it to the Dark Knight. But... When you're talking about I the just Dark Knight, I just think it's such a of fucking his performance of the Joker. That's it. That, oh yeah, just because, because you, can, you can see he's come from study, a place. Yeah, you can really of, study of supreme pain. His acting, and he's using that pain as an idea to fucking just become this anarchist and destroy everything. Because his whole world was destroyed. What a performance! Oh. I put that in my my top three acting performances of all time. Top three. Okay, yeah. hold that thought. We'll come back to that. Yeah. I'm thinking now, uh, have you ever seen The Intouchables? French movie. With, yeah, I have. The Wheelchair Guy. Yes. It was a remake, yes, it was a remake of um, Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. Yeah, which was good, but it didn't I, touch series. I didn't even fucking watch it, mate. All right, I'm not going to let it tarnish that. No, bro, bro. Absolutely. A masterpiece of a fucking movie. Bro, I completely 
agree, but I watched the remake, and it isn't even nearly on par with the original, but it is very good. It is. Yeah. I'm not saying that it Kevin isn't. Roy Branson is especially good. I'm not saying that it is a bad movie. I'm not saying that it's a good movie. But mm. what I'm saying is, I just I don't think I could do that to myself. I just don't want to watch it because I don't want to I don't want it to skew any opinion. Yeah. Of the original because I don't think it should have been remade in the first place. The original yeah, I, is just so good. I think Such the biggest problem for Hollywood now is they're recreating movies that don't need to be recreated. Like think about it. When you think about movies that are coming out now. It's either a sequel, remake. Like, there's like no original movies coming out usually anymore. Most of the time, like if you check, like if you check, um, like pop, like obviously real popular movies that are coming out. Yeah. Nine times, nine nine times out of ten, they're sequels, remakes, um. Like they made, they remade the Lion King. Man. That just says it all. Like no need. No need. Absolutely no need. No need. Like I watched, I didn't even watch the whole movie. I watched the reimagined scenes, like, <laughs> and then I watched the movie, the original movie again, and the scene where Simba is with Rikishi, and he's like, "Fucking look up to the sky," mm. and just fucking, what's his name? Mufasa comes out of the sky. And the original is so powerful, and the score is amazing, and in the remake. It just loses that authenticity. Yeah, I know? agree. I agree, hundred percent. It just takes away from. It. I don't know what it is about the cartoons, but it, I think it just worked so well as well. You know what I mean? They knew I what think they were it's doing. What do you think? Because if you recreate popular favorites, movies that are in the hearts of so many people, even though they know they can't be replaced, they're gonna want to see what they don't want. Yeah, that, that's why they know they'll make money. Yeah, like exactly. you know for a fact it's going to make money. Facts. I'm trying to think. Other movies that influence, well, or had an influence or an impact. If you come to an conclusion for that, you can go back to the best acting performances of all time. Because I know you like to act as well. <sighs> you see, like, Drive is my favorite movie. But mm. I don't think Drive is like has had any influence on me. Like, other than music wise. Yeah. It is a great It's a fucking amazing movie. Give me a second. Sure. Have you ever seen There Will Be Blood? There Will Be Blood, yes. Bro, I only watched it like a month ago for the first time. Oh, shit. And it just fucking shook me, man. That's great. I'm a huge Daniel Day Lewis. Mm. He just blew He's my He's so good, man. Jesus. He's Christ. one of the best. He is. He's definitely up there. 100%. I'd put, him, so I'd put him over well. Leo. I'd put him over Leo by no problem. Oh, yeah. Man. I like Leo, but there's, the method craft brings a lot more to the role. Yeah, definitely. And like, I know he's known for method acting and all, but I mean, like the proof is in the pudding. Like, yeah, because of what he does for his roles, it just makes it so fucking good. So good. Like everything he's in, 
Like my left foot, man. What a oh, fucking movie. Like, God, what a movie. What a fucking movie. The scene where they hide the porno mags under his thing. That's, that's, you can't write that these days. <laughs> yeah, I know. It'll be remade. <laughs> uh, I fucking hope not. Like, there's certain movies that just can't be remade. Yeah, I like, don't think they, they don't want to be able to pull off that performance without it being offensive. Nah, exactly. It's the same as things. You don't remake really stuff. You know? If it's perfect the first time around, how are you going to surpass perfect? Yeah. Unless you can add on to it. Ah. Like, for example, The Invisible Man. That's a remake. But yeah. To be, I haven't Some seen movies the original. Have a lot I haven't seen the original. That are okay at the time. Can definitely be improved. Yeah, like, not, not every... Obviously, I know what you're saying. You're saying that the best shouldn't be remade. Yeah. But shitty things can. Like, you know, this it fact makes me happy that um, Back to the Future won't be remade. Yeah, that's the three of them won't be remade because I'm pretty sure he signed uh, he signed some document, the director or whatever, that said that it won't be remade. At least for another hundred years, I'm pretty sure. Jaws won't be being remade either. It's just perfect, you know. Yeah. That is pretty great. Like, like you the whole suspense of Jaws is you don't see the shark until the fucking very end. And at movies these days, they don't have that reveal in them. They're straight away, like, let's give them what they want to see, what they want to hear. But taking away that from the audience, if they don't know what they're watching, if they're confused, that they're eager, the more suspense is going to be created. Yeah, and it's you're not easing there. It in. You're easing more. the tip in. That's what it is. They eased it in. Yeah. That's why you need to watch The Invisible Man, man. I'm putting it on my list, bro. <laughs> you watch that shit, I'll watch Arrival. Okay. But you can watch play, um, Balls of Fury tonight, no problem. I'm 100% watching Balls of Fury tonight, man. I was going to do that. Anyway. Connor and Poirier is official. Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Oh, man. Listen for that. Probably sound like a fucking fanboy. No, I am. Couldn't care less. Listen. <laughs> I'm going to watch it, but. Of course. You know, I don't really care. Ah, uh, well, you do know a little bit like. Uh, you, man, that kind of a person now. is representing oh. your fucking nation like that, even though he can be an asshole. The fucking amazing fighter. The face of the UFC. I know, yeah, but he's. Not anymore, though, man. He keeps people are still, retiring. People like, still enter him into every conversation they can about it. But just stop retiring. Yeah, that's because he's such a good shit talker as well. Like, yeah. That's what makes him him. Yeah, he promotes better than anyone. Literally. Because he talks the most shit. Think about it. No one else talks the most shit as him. Yeah. But he has the right to talk shit, like, to be fair. Of course, yeah. What he's done. No one can replicate what he's done. That's exactly it. Yet. Yet, like my issue is, I really like it, but I love Connor. You know. Yeah. Or well, you prefer Connor to to Khabib? I prefer Connor for a few reasons, because he's Irish. Number one. Number two, he's so confident in his abilities. Number three, he's the most entertaining fighter in the game. People tune in. Almost more for the press conferences he's in than the fights he partakes in. 
that says a lot, you know. And I don't think personally, as much as I like to be, he's a humble gentleman, a fucking great fighter, unbelievable rapper. If he hadn't have fought Connor, he wouldn't be half as popular as he is. You think so? Yeah, I honestly do. But sure, he was what? What was he when he was fighting Connor? Twenty-seven. He was. Like, he was. Like, he was a, champion because yeah. he defeated a lot of good names a lot of, there was a lot of the names in his way that didn't mean you know i think but as well i'm not making excuses for connor he fucked up connor knew connor was hung over when he fought the baby you know and apparently his foot was a balloon but <laughs> you know <laughs> he's cool. so a lot of fun to watch he is. I'll give you that. His press conferences. And his press conferences with Khabib were next level. Oh, man. Well, you can tell he was out of his mind on coke. Smell a show, your brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one of the best. Yeah. What was he on? Tap drink. Tap drink. <laughs> Why won't you drink? The mad backwards cunt. <laughs> Say our son was at party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like you could tell he wasn't not himself. And it's not very hard to see if you know what cocaine is and you know what cocaine no, does. You know he was his tits. He was wired. <laughs> I don't you not get drug tested and all, no? And Connor was bring I don't know how much time and it was a substantial amount of money. Why the fuck are they not in drug testing on someone that exactly. can enhance yeah. them? That much. Mm. Actually, did you see the other day that Mike Tyson was talking about uh, he used to wear a fake penis and use his wife's piss to pass drug tests? Yeah, and <laughs> his daughter's piss as well. Yeah, That's fucking madness. A fake dick. <laughs> the lengths awesome. that man went. <laughs> oh, nobody, like his cock is obviously huge it. if he it just put a, a fake one machine. over it and they didn't notice. He was a machine. There's nothing else to it. Yeah, but half cocaine, half man. Still. Beast of a Do you ever see the, you ever see the interview where the guy brings up like, uh, his rape accusations? He's like, you're a piece of shit. Fuck off. <laughs> 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 he just doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a He's like, we're live. Mate. He's like, you're a piece of fucking shit. Fuck off, man. Fucking like. But the, you know what? I was, I was trying to bring it up on when he was on the last Joe Rogan podcast. Joe Rogan was laughing. He was talking about his training process. Um, Mike goes, it's not funny. He goes, because you said last time I was on your podcast, I explained I didn't want to fight because it reignited my ego. My ego was reignited. You're laughing at me because I'm telling you how committed I am being a monster and Joe Rogan shuts up he doesn't know what to say for like 10 seconds you know <laughs> you don't just know how shows. committed I am to I being a monster he is has. he is a beast Jesus I can't wait I never thought in my lifetime I would get to see my Tyson fight fucking live man. and now six, 16 fucking days man <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a bowl of Doritos, some jalapenos, some sour cream, some beer. I'm gonna have the fuck of my life. 
See, I want to watch it as well, but you know, I'm such a bad luck charm when I watch fucking fights, man. And it's facts. So you struggle with It's facts. Like every time I watch a fight, the person I root for loses. I don't know what it is. Maybe I just have a bad choice, but anytime I watch a fight. Yeah, but really. Like the only McGregor fight I watch that, that I watched and he won was um, Chad Mendes. Great fight. Who did he fight? Uh, I showed you fight? that he replies me this morning. Oh, yeah, he actually, yeah, that was fucking trippy as fuck. What the fuck? Can't believe Man, I replied to you. Yeah. Such weird look. <laughs> People are replying to me. Kyle Gass out of Spacious D has replied to me. Yeah, I remember Zach you Braff, me. that plays mm-hmm. JD in fucking Scrubs, mm-hmm. has replied to me. And now Chad Mendes has replied to me. <clears throat> you need to get Leamy G to reply to you. Who? Liam Gallagher. Oh, oh yeah, I did. Yeah, sure. I, 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 that's, I, that's why I think, that's why I wanted to mention it. Did he reply yeah. to you? Yeah, because he put up a post about Noel, and he was slagging oh, yeah, him. He was like, uh, him, he's he saying something about around, me. Yeah, and he said, and oh, I, I was just like, Liam, he's your brother. Brother's fight, which does not just have a fucking scrap, and whoever wins, you can just say, fair enough, you're the bigger man, and then just settle. And he was like, nah, he's my, he literally said, he's my brother, brethren, I don't want to fight him. Whatever he does, what he does, whatever I do is what I do. It was something like that. Yeah, I remember it. And I was just like, oh, this, he's like one of the biggest rock stars in the world, you know? <laughs> Fucking awesome. And you're playing to your fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't fucking reply to you, motherfucker. Because I'm not on my fucking Instagram 24-7 commenting underneath his shit. Hey, Liam Gallagher. Bitch. Yeah. You should have seen me on Dave Grohl live stream last night. I just want to be shit. to. <laughs> I just kept typing. Um, what's your favorite memory fucking... to hurt? Or what's your favorite Nirvana song to play? Oh, and I think I wrote each question like 50 times. No, it didn't get right. I don't think he'd reply to that. No. It hits home. Do you remember he said, yeah. I remember watching, because I told you I was watching all the documentaries recently, that he said that like after Kurt died, he didn't listen to music for like a fucking year or some shit. Yeah. He listened to the radio for a year or some shit. He was, he said he drove Ireland, man. He just drove around and he didn't know what else to do. That's what he done. He drove around Ireland? Yeah. There's an interview on YouTube with him and Taylor Hawkins. And he just says, after Kurt died, I just drove around Ireland. And I thought he could turn on the radio. I just drove. <laughs> That's fucking skits of all places. I know. Well, I think it's because... Kurt always said he felt severely connected to Ireland. Did he? Yeah. Because Kurt's granddad was from Cork. What? Like on his mom's side or his dad's side? On his mom's side, I'm pretty sure. That's pretty skits. Didn't know that. Yeah, and a girl I know that was in my year in school wrote to him. And she replied, sent her some pictures of Kurt. What? Yeah, bro. That's insane. That's fucking next level. Did you see, actually, I, I read something about him the other day that his favorite album is, um, I think it's Raw Power, I think the name of it, by the Stooges. The Stooges, they're like a pop punk uh, Yeah, it's, band. it's Iggy Pop. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's his favorite album? Really? I was so surprised. Was and I, I, I listened, 
around music, man. I know, yeah, but I was listening through the album and I I don't really like it that much. <laughs> I don't like it that much. It's all right. It's not that bad. Yeah. But it's his favorite album. I was like, ooh, surprising. But I know I know a lot of his other influences anyway. Kurt was a big um, John, John Lennon, Lennon fan, fan as well. Yeah. I knew you were about Big to Beatles fan. Mm-hmm. As I remember his... Uh, what was it? His um, he was in, when he was in the studio, and his manager would be like, "Oh, you need to do vocals, like sing over, do a back and track." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, "No, I'm not fucking doing it." And then he'd be like, "John Lennon did it," and he'd be like, "All right, I'll do it." Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. I'd be the same if someone was like Kirk Cobain did that. I'd be the same thing. Yeah, percent. <laughs> I'd be like, "All right, fuck." I suppose. So. And the Pixies were a huge influence on him as well. The Pixies. Yeah. You know, where is my mind? Yeah, yeah, I know that fucking overplayed song. Still chilling. Fight Club, isn't it? Yeah, bro. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in such a long time. Everyone loves that movie. I, I David like, Fincher. I like that movie. David Fincher. I don't love it. Is an incredible writer. Yeah, I'll give him that. But I don't love that movie. I like it. Yeah, I'm the same. I think it's okay, but it's not special. Yeah, no, definitely not. Where uh, fucking one of the boys, Ozzy, is it's one of his favorite movies. Like he, it's like his religion. He fucking loves the oh, shit out of that movie. <laughs> no, but I, I think he's watched it about twenty times or whatever. It just hits different with him. Yeah, I don't see it. Unlike that vibe of a movie. With Lord of the Rings and like Harry Potter and shit. I'd watch them just over and over again. You fucking nerd. This <laughs> <laughs> is my no, thing. I, I can't. I I can't say I haven't watched it. So. Yeah. What's one movie? Being honest, that you could probably watch every day if you had to choose one. That I could watch every day. Mm-hmm. Like for me. Okay. It's either Lord of the Rings or like Face Off. Face off. Face off with Nicolas Cage okay. and John Travolta. Yes. You could watch Face Off every day. Yeah, man. <laughs> what a movie. What a fucking <laughs> strange choice. It's just because I fucking love Nicolas Cage, man, so I'm oh, with you there. Man. Anything he's he in. How many goat. fucking despise Nicolas Cage? But I love him. I love him. I know, yeah. I people that fucking hate him, but he's one of my favorite actors. I love Nicolas Cage. The National Movies, man. Oh, so good. One of my but anything, have you seen Mandy? You told me to watch or You haven't watched um, it yet. I've seen clips oh, of it. Man. But not more than clips. It's so good. It's fucking so fucking good. Like, for a Nicolas Cage movie, it's great. Because you know the way people like to shit on him a lot. And they're like, they say his performances are bad. Where I enjoy him and everything. But in this movie, he was praised. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he's liked unanimously by the people. Which means... But have you seen... so good. Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, that's fucking amazing movie. What's the movie where he plays two people? Two people? Well, it's one person, but he plays two characters. I couldn't even tell you. Oh, I can't remember. Fuck. But Leaving Las Vegas... I still think the opening sequence to that movie is one of the best because from the opening, you can tell 
he's been fucked and there's something not right in his head and then he's walking through this fucking supermarket opens a bottle of vodka and swivels like a quarter of it in one sip and he just shakes his head and you're like that's exactly what the fuck I would do if I drank that much vodka 100% and he won the Oscar for that as well he did didn't he yeah no yeah he did yeah it was he did, I was yeah. going to say Raising Arizona. I was like, what the fuck? Raising Arizona is a good great movie. movie. See, all is, is, is when he's starting out, he was just so good. Like, fuck. But I still think he's great. I still think he's great. Have you ever seen him on GQ explaining his um, yeah, his movie? Oh, I think that's brilliant. That really puts yeah. into perspective what he's like as an actor, though. Like, yeah. Because that's why a lot of people shit on him. I think a lot of people haven't seen that video because he talks about his acting styles and how he takes from different interpretations. Like, and I just think that's fucking like you wouldn't think that when because you just think his his acting is so over the top, but he's yeah. just doing it in a style where he's seen it somewhere else and he's just trying it out like. And he get and he's saying like he gets to do it at big budget movies, so that's why he was just winging it like you know what I mean, going with it. Mm. So good. All right. I'm Have going you ever seen him on David Letterman? No. David Letterman is it. like, <clears throat> tell us something about you, and he's like recently. I ate a fuck ton of mushrooms <laughs> and I just, I was chilling on my bed having a staring contest with my cat. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a, a crazy pimp. motherfucker. He's such a pimp. He's a character. He is a character. What do you think of all this shit with fucking Johnny Depp actually? Yeah, it's pretty fucked, isn't it? Yeah, man. See a million, peti- a million people signed the petition to get uh, Amber Heard kicked out of Aquaman yeah, 2. Yeah, man. I agree. I can't like. Yeah, true. But how did he lose the case? How did he lose the libel case? Man, the only person that has reported that he lost the son. That fucking newspaper. I know, yeah, that's that's what I mean. The son is like the fucking worst fucking yeah, the Sun is a fucking terrible newspaper as it is. Like I don't know why anyone fucking reads that shit or believes in it. But I mean I don't how did he lose like it's proper bullshit, man, because there's so much more evidence in his favor that he was abused more than her. Yeah. But it's just because of the facts and the stereotypes that fits huge, that she's a woman. I think it's just because she couldn't have picked anyone better to do it to. It's Johnny yeah. fucking Depp. Like, yeah. he's literally the biggest actor on the planet. Like, most well-known right now, actor on the planet. This century, yeah. Yeah, 100%. He is the most well... He's made... I, I believe he has made... Disney, yeah, I'll be out in a second. I, I believe he's made like the most money for companies ever. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, I'll be back, back in two seconds. Chat. Keep this note, okay? Yeah. Keep this. I just need to. I'll pause it. Three, two, one. Coming back. Three and two and one. Go. Okay, so Keith left to do his thing for a minute, and he put on a Nirvana tune. And I don't know if I told before. I'm pretty sure I did. But there's a movie called Soaked in Bleach, mm-hmm. and it talks mm-hmm. about that it does and how it's not a suit <laughs> no it is what not. is your stance on this boy <laughs> no it is not because i told you i watched this documentary you watched it yeah yeah i watched it recently As no I said, way man what i've been up to my um shit with kurt and um yeah 100 percent. he was murdered by um his that, that friend of his that lived in his wasn't it he lived in his house kurt, uh, uh, courtney's fucking uh, collier yeah what's his name 
He was the babysitter. Yeah, yeah. He was murdered by him. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's so fucked up. Like you 100%. people, I hate people that are fans that don't take the time to un- to investigate what actually happened. I know. And then she tells all this shit about how he fucking tried to kill himself beforehand, and that he locked yeah. himself in a fucking closet beforehand, and all. It's all bullshit. Didn't do that. She said Rome was a suicide attempt, and Kurt proclaimed that for such a long accident. time after it was a genuine accident. Yeah, yeah. And she well, yeah. said that it was a cry for help that he tried to kill himself and all that shit. And then she said yeah. also that he locked himself in a closet again at one point with a load of drugs and guns. But she did not say that the reason he locked himself in the closet was because he was afraid she was going to kill him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is so funny. Like, this <laughs> guy good. spent his whole life trying to find something, and he thought he found it in this woman, and she was the fucking bane of his existence. Devil incarnate. The fucking woman. She's come oh. If she died, I'd host the party. Oh, man, you know what you'd love to do? You'd love to get her, and you'd love to fucking put her in a chair, and you'd love to tie her up and put a fucking double barrel in her mouth, <laughs> jack her up on heroin, take a video and exact go, did you fucking kill your husband? Did you get this motherfucker to kill your husband? And if Bro. she detests that she does not, well, then you put her fucking finger on the trigger and she blows her face off live on camera. Honestly, right? If I was in America and I wasn't that far away from her, I would take the opportunity to try and get it out of her. I would do unholy things to get that <laughs> information out of her. We and should make a movie. If I went to prison for fucking 30 years because of it, but she still confessed yeah. that she'd done it, hero, I would man. be okay with that. You'd be a hero. <laughs> yeah. You'd be hailed a hero. You would be a pop culture icon. You'd be like Bobby Schmurda. <laughs> <laughs> literally like you'd it's just man literally like if you, when you watch the movie the way that the shot was placed the bullet should have came out on the right side of Kurt because where the cartridge yeah. opening is on the yeah. shotgun and, but it was on the left hand side it was on the left side yeah no no was it supposed, to, it was supposed f- to be on the left and it was on the right was it not and yeah. they said yeah. that he, the way he shot the gun turned around but I heard yeah. I remember reading somewhere that there wasn't even um, shotgun. There was residue. A, yeah, on his hands. Yeah. And as well, it was the police department. This guy well, was. They, they to fucked it up as well. Shot up. Sorry. Enough fucking heroin to take down a silverback gorilla. Finish the end of a suicide note. Button back up his long sleeved shirt, and shot himself in the head with his thumb, not his finger. Because if he shot it with his finger, the shotgun would have came out at a different angle. It's a, there's so much inconsistency in it. Yeah, like and, and in the you have all the forensic experts saying if they had the power to reopen the case, they would because it does not make any fucking sense. It's just shake. It's so fucking. It's just like the, and that suicide note isn't it like the first part of that whole note. Is like him it was taken supposed from his journal. Huh? It's taken from his journal. It's about him writing how he's losing the desire to perform. Yeah, yeah, music. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the ending obviously <clears throat> was just added on. It's fabricated. Yeah. There are they were literally Oh, wasn't there a woman she found... said that 
that wasn't Kurt's writing. She was like, this isn't Kurt. Yep. Like, as soon as she read it, she was like, this isn't him. No the way. family the godmother of Francis Bean, their child, which was Corny's best friend, said to said to Tom Grant, the private investigator, that she found no traces of writing in Corny's possession that she left in her office of Kurt's journal. And it was pieces of his journal taken out of context, saying, I can't go on anymore. I love you, Corny. Keep going for Francis, mm-hmm. which were in. Le- uh, different pages of his journal related to different things. She literally fabricated his writing, man. How much more obvious do you have to get? I, d- I just think that the whole heroin thing should make you... Yeah, like, that's like, like, the, it, like, if you think about it, like, who does that much heroin? There was, like, enough heroin in his body for, like, four... Like, si- but wasn't it, uh, like, a ridiculous amount of doses? Like a four Enough people. to take down a gorilla, bro. Yeah, a gorilla. <laughs> Like so, if even if he didn't shoot himself in the face, he was dead from an overdose. Like fact. Exactly. You think. But I mean, like, someone was a heroin addict. So that was clean. There's an interview on Watch Mojo of him saying he doesn't want to do drugs anymore because his daughter is a favorite. And then when he dies, you'd think if he was wanted to die, he would either shoot himself in the head or overdose. No. Had to take an impossible amount of heroin and then, then shoot himself. Just to even sure. the most hardcore heroin addicts would not intake that much of heroin. No way. You don't even need that much to overdose. Like, like, it's like, like a quarter. Your heart should stop within three or four seconds. Insane. So, what? How do you think he got him up into the into the loft then? So into the glasses. I've done a lot of research on this. Kurt was in a petty clinic in Florida or Los Angeles or something, and he is he escaped. Basically, yeah, he escaped it wasn't a confined yeah. rehab facilitation. He hopped the wall. He could just he? walk out yeah. the front door. He walked out the front door. Okay, got the plane back mm-hmm. to Seattle. Who did he meet on the way in then, the plane? He didn't meet. Uh, he met Axel Rose or someone like from Guns and Roses, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, I think one of yeah. the terror players. I think. Yeah, yeah. and he went back. And his credit cards were cancelled. So he decided with whatever cash he could get from his friends, he went to a cheap-ass motel. And Dylan Carlson was his friend. I think I think that was his name. He, he, he woke up 3 or 4 a.m., saw Kurt sitting on the, end of, on the edge of his bed. Kurt said, I don't know what, I'm going to fix this, and we're going to go ahead. So he went back to sleep, thought Kurt was a bit funky or something then Kurt supposedly stayed in the motel for a few days then went back to the house to get whatever he could to manage and my theory is that let me just recount for one second have you ever seen the Kurt and Courtney no well it's a documentary I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix but it shows that this guy, El Duce, that was a part of a band, low underground punch band, said, Me Love offered me 50,000 euro to blow Kurt's head off. That's what I've his exact that words. I've seen that video. Yeah. yeah. And he said, No, I'm not going to do that. What the fuck do I want to kick Kurt in? I don't hate the man. You know? Yeah. So then, a 
two few days later, this guy was found on a train tracks after being run over by a train. And then Oh yes. Kurt showed that. Timeline might be a bit off, but that was the ex- the exact idea. Kurt Cobain supposedly was in the house while the babysitter was there as well. He was also a heroin addict. And this guy so what I think happened is Kurt came back and he said, Don't tell Corny, Corny is looking for me, she's trying to ruin me. But this guy was already in favor of Corny because she was his supplier of heroin. She admitted she was the person giving this guy heroin. They went up to the top of the greenhouse, shot up heroin, and Kurt died. And he ran Courtney, said, Kurt's dead. I don't know what to do. I'm going to be held accountable. And Courtney said, tell me what to do. Basically, make it look like a suicide. Make it look like he blew his head off. And I'll send this guy I have looking for Kurt to find out this electronic could engineer him to find him. Because Courtney got herself purposefully arrested a day and a half before this is all found. There is just too fucking many inconsistencies mm. that makes to point towards suicide. That he died, and then he was like, fuck, he's after Odin. Yeah. I think Kurt was going to die. It was going to be an overdose. Yeah, it is like, it's, it's physically impossible. Imagine just how high you get up doing a bit of fucking coke or K or E. You get insanely high after doing one of them. You know, but this is maybe, maybe, heroin, maybe he, strongest he, fucking drug he on gave the him, He gave him heroin. He died, and then he gave him more. No, yeah. But that's the thing. The biggest thing for me is if you're after showing up enough heroin to kill yourself, how the fuck are you gonna think the reason to finish a suicide note? Not only that, button up the sleeves on your flannel shirt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's fucking stupid, man. It's bullshit. And the police department as well, man. They have the fucking... They fucked that fucking crime scene up, man. Wasn't he, like, cremated in fucking three days or some shit? Or buried yeah. in three days or some shit? Was he they walked was in, he? right? They walked in, saw his wallet, because that's common in suicide victims. They leave their wallet so they can be identified. But yet, his face wasn't distorted. Apparently, he put the shotgun up towards his neck. And it went through his neck and back to like an altitude at the bottom of his head. So they could still identify him. They seen this. They said, oh, okay, this is a depressed rock star junkie. Mm. He's obviously... It, obviously, that, it, that's what you would think like that Kirk Cobain was depressed because of the fucking dark, amazing music he wrote. He was yeah. just a genius. And the lead forensic investigator all of Washington said easiest way to get away with murder is to kill a junkie. Yeah. In the documentary, that's one of the most famous lines. If you want to get, get away with murder, you kill a fucking junkie. Like, I mean, I, don't know. That's, I think about it every day because he what had a big heart, man. He literally stopped sexual assaults during his concerts. Fucking, the man had his demons fucking done heroin. But he was a good guy, you know? Yeah, man, what could have been? Deserved that.
what could have been. I I remember I read read somewhere as well that he was um he was planning on leaving the band and just um starting like an old uh, an acoustic career, just him on his own. He literally says that yeah. in the Watch Mojo interview. They put I don't know, that's the one that's I've famous. I've seen that video said. as well, but I'm watching. I just want to be like Johnny Cash, an old man sitting in a chair playing the guitar. Yeah, because he didn't want to be jumping around stage and shit. Yeah. And Courtney Love was the worst thing that happened to that man. I think his life went a lot different if she had like came to it. What a gay bag. And it's funny because um, fucking at the wedding as well, it wasn't cursed, not at the wedding because they weren't on good terms at the time. Pretty In sure. Hawaii? Yeah, Curse wasn't there at the wedding. Yeah, because he, terms. he told Kurt Corny was not good for him and she was not the direction he wanted him to go in. Mm. He and knew Kurt right was well. He knew right away. And I think he knows as well. Yeah. He, he does, man. If you watch, there was, I think it was two or three days before they got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they were on uh, Jimmy Fallon. And he's a bigger fan. And he was like, this is amazing, you know. So happy you guys are here. And Chris straight away says, you know, Kurt should be here. He should be sitting right beside me. And Fallon directs the conversation in another way because he knows what Chris wants to say. Yeah, straight away. <laughs> he knows. He's like, cause a fucking... <laughs> yeah. And what I still I think is... I feel the really worst cool. for Curse, though. Like, he just looks so sad all the time talking yeah. about him. Like, But the thing is, as much as I'm a huge Foo Fighter fan, I love Dave. Dave doesn't talk about it. I think he, I think he knows as well, but he deals with it in a different way. Yeah, definitely. He deals with it with music. Yeah. But Curse, did you hear? Curse has just gone away from music. He's like, nah, fuck this. Did you hear? Uh, shame, shame. With Foo Fighters. Yeah. Is it, is it a new song? Yeah, it's a new song. No, I haven't, seen, I haven't heard it yet. It's pretty good, man. It's a completely different vibe. It sounds a lot like Bowie, but it's pretty good. Okay, good because I was watching uh, documentaries, no, um, interviews with uh, Cursed as well, and he said um, he was saying something like, "Oh, you know, um, even if we were around today, we probably wouldn't be together because you know uh, uh, we'd end up like something like the Foo Fighters or something." <laughs> yeah. The interviewer's like, "Wait, wait, what?" He's like, oh, "I'm only joking," and he ends up praising the Foo Fighters, but. You can clearly tell that he probably doesn't like them. I think, though, because in he all the reunion them, concerts Nirvana have done, Paul McCartney has been thrown on, and Kurt would fucking love that. Yeah. So I can see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he has, Kurt, Kurt has played with Foo Fighters before, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I've seen videos of him on stage with them and all. But he, he probably does like them. He just, you know, he probably. They played like music live um, a few times. They'd what? Molly's lips. No kiss. Kiss Molly's lips. Chill. 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 Fucking did. Okay, man. Um, I think we're gonna leave this here. We're at two hours and thirty-seven minutes. Yeah, I just. (laughs) My laptop is on twenty-three percent. Cool. So, to close up, Jack, been real, brother. It's been good. Welcome to the first podcast. Well, we did one on anchor before. Not official, really, considering 
I'm, we're not with the gear yet. You know what I'm saying? You're not here with yeah. the gear. It's technically not still official because um, your audio quality is fucking dog shit. <laughs> but we will get around to it. Don't worry. And we'll be I will big come up to Mullingar when it's good to do that. Yes, sir. We'll do a problem. Yes. When, when time allows us to. Yes. I would still appreciate if you shared this with me so I can share it with a few people myself. <laughs> exactly. No problem. Yeah. No worries. So it's been good, bro. It's been good, homie. Closing off. Jack, thanks for coming on, homie. Um, do you want to give yourself a shout out? Um, Irish Necromancer on Instagram. And peace out to anyone that has listened and that is a Kirk Bain fan. Keep it real, homies. Okay, there's your two cents. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for listening. KG's podcast, Skits and Gigs. Tune in next time. Peace and love. Take it fucking easy, peeps. Titties. <laughs>